Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger Radio Show Podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. Black legs are short but very powerful for digging. In fact, the name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. It's that badger style. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. I've missed a week because my recording device broke, so I'm making up for it with a doubly good edition this week with two great guests. I think you'll like it as much as I enjoyed chewing the England World Cup fat with Dave Tickner, the editor of Cricket 365. We talked the rights and wrongs of Alex Hales, discussed the blacklisted pair of Joe Clark and Tom Cole Cadmore, and give England a health check prior to the big event on home soil. It's a summer of cricket to die for. And I catch up with former England all-rounder Craig White. Chalky played 20 years with Yorkshire, played 30 tests, over 50 ODIs for England, and coached at Yorkshire before heading south as the coach of Hampshire. Craig takes on the budget 20 questions this week. Pleasure to catch up with my old mate from my Yorkshire days. Good to chat to him, and he gives some great answers as well. And finally... From now on, I'll be introducing the Cricket Badger podcast as being in association with Cricket365.com because that is exactly what it is now. You can read articles by Dave Ticknett, myself and many more on Cricket365.com. Thanks to them for their support of the podcast. Time to hear some other people chatting cricket. It's that Badger style. Craig White, welcome to the Cricket Budget Radio Show podcast. How are you, mate? I'm good, James. Very good, thank it's been, you. It's been a while since I last heard your uh, your lovely voice, but I, <laughs> you've uh, you've been down at Hampshire. You've uh, been head coach down there. You've had a few fun times down there as well, winning a few things. Yeah, no, absolutely. I had seven seasons down there. I had a fantastic time. It's a great club and some great people around there. I did two years as head coach the last two years, and then I decided just to move back north to be a bit closer to the family and, you know, the travel up and back, particularly with my 
children being in Scarborough, it's just, you know, last season I hardly saw them in the summer, so I thought, you know, that's not right, so I moved back north to be close to the family, really. So you're starting a summer for probably the first time for a, for a long time without cricket on your doorstep, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's taken some getting used to, but I've just been, you know, doing things that I haven't normally been able to do in the yeah, in the last sort of 30 years, really, I've been flat out with cricket in the summer. So just things like bank holiday weekend, we sat in the garden, had a barbecue and things like that. Normally <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be playing, you know, playing or watching cricket. So it was brilliant. You're not missing it at all or you're just enjoying having some time out? Yeah, I do miss it, obviously. Um, but, you know, I'm just I'm just going to have a little bit of downtime this summer. I'm doing a little bit of, bit of coaching, sort of private coaching and I'm just going to enjoy the summer and do, like I said, do things that I've never really been able to do for the last 30 years. So I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy. Mm. Um, okay. You're going to take on the Cricket Badger 20 questions to date and let's start with number one, shall we? That's usually a good place to start. If not a cricketer, what would you have done with your life? Oh, jeez, what would I have been? A couple of things I possibly might have gone into. I was very keen... I was going to join the police force in in Australia, so I possibly could might have been a police officer and and you know, worked my way up and never know what that could have been. And I also used to work in a bar as well at one of the pubs in Bendigo where I grew up, and I got quite into that. And I was gonna, I think maybe I one day I was gonna open my own sort of bar somewhere, maybe up on one of the islands in North Queensland. So you never know. I might have been, uh, I might have had a chain of wine bars up in Queensland you don't know but yeah there's two things that spring to mind Chalky's Bar eh you'd have been there stood behind well it. yeah one of my favourite films is Cocktail so you know I wanted to be like you know that Cocktails and Dreams that bar they had <laughs> <laughs> Tom Cruise what was, it, what was the yeah. other guy's name but it's Brian oh, somebody, wasn't it the, yeah, Aussie, wasn't um, yeah. Yeah, yeah obviously it all stopped didn't it when you uh came across to Yorkshire but just just to remind people cause I, I think oh, I, I forgot the story now you came over as a young lad basically touched down and joined Yorkshire County Cricket Club yeah basically as I was growing up in Australia playing cricket and sort of getting higher and higher up the ladder dad used to always say to me I'm going to take you back to have trials of Yorkshire one day and so when I was at the cricket academy in Australia um, Jack Potter was head coach and he knew Bob Appleyard who was then on the committee and mm. he obviously wrote a letter to Bob Appleyard saying we've got this sort of Yorkshire born Australian obviously born in Yorkshire qualifies so they sent me over I was going to join the academy so I came over to join the academy and played a practice match and basically got straight in the first team so that was that never any regrets for that that you came across to England and uh, left Australia no not at all not not at all um, I've had a great life over here at home now um, yeah I got family in Scarborough uh, living in Wakefield at the moment, so that's no, all good, James. All good, no regrets whatsoever. Who's been the biggest influence on your career? Well, like I said just before, that you know, Dad always used to say when I was a, started reaching sort of decent levels in Australia, um, he would bring me back to to try out for Yorkshire. He was a massive, you know, Yorkshireman, proud Yorkshireman, and so that always sort of stuck with me. And, and I did come back to play for Yorkshire and had 20 years there so yeah he was a massive influence as a kid you know he took me everywhere in Australia lived in lived in the country in a place called Bendigo and all the practice sessions were in Melbourne which is like two hour drive so he'd take me down for a, a practice and take me home and you know he's very supportive he, he took me everywhere so I'd have to say you know dad was the biggest influence on my career and sort of later on I think I'd say the period where Duncan Fletcher got involved with England I think he had a massive bearing on on sort of the, the latter part of my international career 
him and Nasser were worked very well together and it's sort of the first time I felt, you know, wanted in that international setup. So, you know, and Duncan had a massive part to play in that. So I'd have to say, yeah, Duncan Fletcher as well. What's been your best moment in cricket? Um, I'd say I always wanted to take a FIFA or make a Test 100 or both, which I did do, but I'd say the most rewarding was um, my Test 100 in, in India, in Ahmedabad. Yeah, that was very rewarding and a great yeah, great uh, moment in my career. Do you think that's the best you've ever played in, a, in an English shirt? Anyway? No, I don't think so. I think the most important innings I played for England was when we won in Kandy in Sri Lanka. Um, I think I only, only got 20-odd or 30, whatever it was. Me and Ashley Giles hit the winning runs off, but I think we only needed 50 to win that last day or the last morning, and, um, you know, it seemed to take forever. I was like, yeah, to get those 50 runs, whatever it was. But uh, I think that's, that's probably the most important and best knock I've played for, for England. But, again, it was only a, a 20 or a 30, but it was, um, you know, it was crucial. What's been your worst moment in cricket? Uh, there's been a few, James. Um, <laughs> But I'd have to say the one that springs to mind straight away is um, when we lost the semi-final at, at Old Trafford, uh, Yorkshire and Lancashire, obviously. I bowled the final over and I think we were defending 10 or something like that. They needed 10 off the last over. And I didn't quite get it right. And yeah, we obviously lost. And uh, yeah, I took that very hard. That was um, that was a real low in my career and, and life, really. That, that affected me massively. I almost, I was very close to giving up the game, actually, after that. Cause, um, I got a bit of stick um, from a lot, a lot of supporters and, and people. And on the other hand, I got a lot of support from the Yorkshire members or proper supporters that used to come and support. You know, but that that was a real tough time. Yeah, so that was the worst moment, I'd say. I mean, a lot of things, a lot of mistakes happened in that game, but I, I took that very personally. It was me with the ball in the hand the last over, and I, and I didn't quite get it right. And, you know, um, yeah, I took it very personally. But looking back on it, there, were, there was a lot of mistakes. There was drop catches, you know, poor fielding. and So, but, you know, I did take that personally and, and blame myself, and I found it tough to recover from that, but eventually I came through it. When you see... Ben Stokes bowling in the World Cup final and Carlos Brathwaite hits him for three consecutive sixes to win for the West Indies and stuff. You yeah. must have some sympathy when you see people bowling death overs. Yeah, absolutely. You can be you can be a hero or a villain. It's very it's fifty fifty. One day you'll, you'll win a match and next day you'll get whacked and you know go for seventeen and an over and lose a game. So you've got to be thick skinned when you're you're a death bowler. Yeah, no, it's a tough job. Who was your cricket hero when you were a young kid? Cricket hero. That's that's easy. That's um, it was Viv Richards. I used to love Viv Richards. Like I said, I grew up in Australia, and our closest ground was the MCG, which, like I said before, was a two-hour drive. And we used to always go down, particularly to watch the West Indies and obviously, you know, the Ashes. But you know, I used to love watching Viv Richards bat. It was just everything about him was just, um, yeah, he was just my hero. I think you're about the same age as me, and I reckon probably most people that were born around about our time. He's probably he's right up there, isn't he? Because he was cool. Yeah. He had yeah. everything, didn't he? And he hit the ball so hard. Oh, I'd love to see him playing this era now. Amazing. He'd make a few quid in the IPL, wouldn't he? He would. He would, definitely. <laughs> Discover one of the most beautiful lifestyle resorts in the Caribbean at the Accra Beach Hotel and Spa. Located on the south coast of Barbados, this beachfront property offers 224 rooms, sparkling pools, four restaurants, three bars, an on-site spa 
event and conferencing facilities, and a welcoming team providing unparalleled relaxation to make your stay a memorable one. What are you waiting for? Book your reservation at this award-winning hotel today and experience the Caribbean dream. If you could trade lives with any cricketer, current cricketer, for a day, who would you like to swap the skin for, get inside their skin and experience their life? I'm going to be boring on this son, James. I, I'm not going to say anyone. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't sort of sit there and look at someone and think, oh, I wish I was them or I wish I was doing that now. So I was quite happy with the era I played in and I had some great times and... Yeah, I'll probably no, no, and I just I just sit back and enjoy watching you know good cricketers, and but I I probably wouldn't want to you know experience someone's life for a day. I know that's a boring answer, but sorry, mate. Uh, it's, it's a good answer. It means you're happy. Um, you're in charge of world cricket for the day, Chalky. Craig White, cricket supremo. Is there anything you'd change about the sport? Um, I think either that these new this new hundred ball competition or a tournament like IPL or obviously, you know, talking a shorter format. I haven't given it much thought, but maybe just you can say you can have a squad of 16. Obviously, you can only have 11 on the field at one time. So you could have your, obviously, your five bowlers, and then you could have specialist fielders. So you could substitute, you could just have the fielders. They could be professional fielders to never have a bat, never have a bowl. And then you can stack your squad with batters. So you've got the best batters coming in all the way down and they just go for it from ball one and instead of you know you wouldn't have nine or ten coming in but can hardly hold a bat you'd have i don't know you could stack your lineup with amazing hitters and i think it'd just be all round viewing watching the best bowlers bowl against the best batters for 20 overs and then the best fielders performing and diving around and taking amazing catches i think that'd be quite entertaining i haven't really thought that through but that's just something that came to the top of my head just why just only have 11 you could play as many as you want it'd be more entertaining but obviously and you cap the squad you could have 15 in your squad and everyone could get a game or something like that there, there are three very distinct disciplines when you say people could be professional fielders fielding yeah. is important as bowling and batting in a lot absolutely of that, yeah we've seen it can win your matches or it does win your matches you know get someone taking a brilliant catch on the boundary and you know you're going to be watching some very entertaining cricket I don't know that was just a, just a thought I like it it'll like never it. happen but <laughs> it's out there you, you say that back in the 1960s they, they said T20 would never happen wouldn't they well no that's Things, right yeah Things move on. Things move on. Yeah. Um, the next question, Chucky, I actually, when I wrote this question, I actually had you in mind because remember sitting in Abu Dhabi watching you playing the guitar. They say all rock stars want to be sportsmen. <laughs> if you could have been famous in another field, what would you have chosen? Would you have been a rock star with your guitar? <laughs> yeah, I, I would have loved to have been a rock star. You know, I think, like you said, I think everyone wanted to be a rock star. But um, I'm a massive motorbike fan. I would love to have been a motorcycle racer. So another okay. one of my heroes is Valentino Rossi. But yeah, I would love to have, have been a Grand Prix motorcycle racer. Good answer. If you could meet anyone, living or dead, who would you like to meet? Living or dead. Again, I've just mentioned Valentino Rossi. He's probably the person I'd like to meet living. Obviously, I've never met him. And I, obviously, I said he's one of my other heroes. Dead, I think I would have loved to have met Princess Diana. Okay. I thought she was a beautiful lady and I would have loved to have just sat and had a chat with her. You stick her on the back of your motorbike. Very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, and play a song to her on the guitar. 
<laughs> Who would play you, Craig White, in a movie about your life? Chalky the movie. <laughs> a lot of people used to say when I was a youngster, when I, when I had my mullet, that I looked like Mad Max, you know, Mel Gibson, <laughs> beyond fun of right. name. So well, I reckon, I'd, yeah, I'll probably say Mel Gibson. What's the last time you can remember feeling really nervous? Yeah, a number of times. You get nervous, do you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, everyone does. They say they're not, they're not nervous, they're, I think they're making it up. It's good to get nervous, it means you care and yeah, you know, it gets you switched on. Yeah, yeah the, okay, I've, I've got it. The last time I got really nervous was the Royal London final last year at Lords. We were playing Kent. Mason Crane had been injured for a, he'd had a back problem. So he was desperate to play. So he got injected and I selected him and... You know, he, he hadn't bowled a lot in the lead-up to that game, but he'd been instrumental in us reaching the final because he, he bowled really well in the in the um, in the games leading up. So I selected him and played him, and when he came on, he didn't bowl very well. The first couple of overs, you could see he was very nervous, a little bit rusty, bowled a few drag downs, a few full tosses. I just thought, I've got this wrong here. But luckily, I mean, he came off the ground and was like hyperventilating in the, out the back in the shower rooms at Lords, and I just went through and had a, had a chat to him. And he went back out there and he bowled a little bit better. Um, didn't play a massive, have a, a massive sort of role in the result that we got. Yeah, I just was very nervous at that time thinking, I've got this wrong. I shouldn't have played him. But we won and he pulled off a brilliant run out that turned the game for us. That was when yeah. I was the last time I was very, very nervous. I'd, I'd imagine having played and then going into coaching and you sat on the balcony wherever you are it's a totally different type of nerves isn't it because you it's out of your control once they've gone out yeah gone out there. So absolutely right there's only so much you can do once they once they walk across that line and, and get out there it's, you know it's up to them um and you've just got to sit and watch and you can you can see it you can sort of see it unfolding you can see what's going to happen and but there's not a lot you can do about it so that's that's the hard thing about coaching there's only so much you've got an influence over what is the top item on your bucket list you've ticked yeah, there's not many to go <laughs> i would love to ride a harley davidson from los angeles up to san francisco there's a coast up pacific highway i think that goes along the coast up there and then you go across from san francisco across yosemite national park you drop down through death valley and then down to vegas on a harley davidson that sounds all right <laughs> are you a morning or a night person oh i used to be a night person but i think now i'm getting on a bit oh, i'm i'm up first thing so yeah, used to, I've changed. Yeah, I used to be to wake up about six o'clock, or you know, in the evening, have a good night, and then yeah. But now I'm I've totally changed. I'm up early and in bed early, so I'm getting very boring in my old age. When you say you used to wake up about six o'clock in the evening, that's just as tricky as finishing, isn't it? <laughs> not, not wake. Yeah, that's right. Not wake up, but yeah, come to life. <laughs> yeah. What celebrity annoys you the most? Russell Brand. I don't know why. I just it just annoys me the way. He, talks and the way he goes about it comes across quite arrogant and I obviously don't know him and he's probably a really nice bloke but just as it occurs he comes across in the public eye he, he annoys me so yeah on a scale of one to ten with ten being the funds how cool are you and now before you answer that we started <laughs> chatting again after I wrote a piece about the coolest cricketer that ever lived Viv Richards and I picked yeah. my 11 coolest cricketers and you were banging at number seven <laughs> I think in that order and you, you said you were flattered by that but so so I'm imagining you're going to say something quite big here you're going to go high on the scale <laughs> uh, 
how cool am I? I'm not very cool now. I mean, I don't know. I probably sometimes I might come across cool when I was a bit younger, but now I'd say I'm I'm about a four. Maybe when I was playing, <laughs> I might have been six, seven. <laughs> but, yeah. But you see, so the, that, the thing with that talk is that a, a, a real cool person wouldn't say they were a ten, would they? They'd play it down anyway. So you, oh, you know, you yeah, no, uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Are you looking to get your business in front of the cricket world? Join forces with the fastest growing cricket podcast on the web, the Cricket Budget Radio Show Podcast, brought to you in association with your business. Take an advert on the pod or become the headline sponsor. Contact us, cricketbadger at hotmail.com for some very reasonable prices. And joining the fun as the Cricket Budget Radio Show Podcast continues to go from strength to strength. If you had access to a time machine, where and when would you go to? You can go to the future or back. You'd go anywhere you like. Yeah, anywhere you like. I wouldn't mind going 20 years into the future and seeing what's happening in the world of cricket, what's happening in the test cricket, how much T20's been played. Is there 10-10? You know, I'd just love to see where this is all going. Is yeah. that because that, you're excited about it because you're worried about it? No. Well, uh, I'm I'm excited actually. I'd love yeah. I'd I'd hate to see you know I just hope Test cricket and counter cricket can you know get through and and because you know I'm a bit of a purist at heart so it'd be a shame I'd be yeah horrific if if anything ever happened to you know the longer form out of the game. But yeah, it'd just be interesting to see well, even further ten or sorry twenty thirty years where what's happening in the cricket world. Yeah. I think that'd be fascinating, but it is. I, I, no, it's exciting as well. I, I'm, yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, with this new hundred ball, I, I'm quite excited about it. See, you know, embrace it. So, you know, give it a chance. Don't just slag it off yeah. without it being, you know, seen it. It was a bit like when T20 came out. There was everyone slagging off, saying it was a bit of a joke. And now look at it, and hopefully, hundred ball might turn into like 2020 is so. But you've got to give it a chance. You've got to try and embrace it, don't you? Back in 92, um, when T20 came out, I, I came to Headingley then as a spectator in the first year the Yorkies were playing the T20. And, and it, it was seen as a joke, wasn't it? The, you know, I, yeah. I remember, I think I, paid, I think I paid a pound to get in that day. Uh, it was cut yeah. price because nobody knew how to price it or what, what it was going to what was going to happen. And it, was, it wasn't very long, was it? It only probably in that first season or the second season that people started thinking something about this. No, that's right. Yeah, it was a bit of a... And the players was you know, not sure about it, and you know, it was a bit of fun. Remember the first international T20 when New Zealand they got dressed up, yeah. didn't they? They put wigs on. Yeah. Oh no, they, don't, they got dressed up in the old clothing. It was it was a bit it was a bit of that, wasn't it? With T20 came in, but now it's obviously flying. So hopefully, hundred ball could you know follow that what T20 did. I, I wrote a piece the other day about how I structured the season, and I, I actually had it in three sections. I had the championship as the first section, plate from start to finish. Give everybody that loves championship cricket, just wall-to-wall championship cricket, with the 50 over dotted around in between times on, on the days off, then into T20 mode. And I would, instead of having the 100 and trying to change the rules and almost complicate it, I think, a little bit, I'd play a T10 tournament and make, make England the first country to actually adopt a T10 and just have a three-week tournament playing more than one game at grounds on a, on a, on a particular day and yeah. get the world's best there to play a T10. I think that would, that would be a good way yeah, forward. Yeah, no, T10, I've, yeah, I was, that's I said before, I was wondering when sort of a, a big tournament will start. I think they do one in Asia or something. I think T20. There's one out in Dubai, isn't there? Yes, there is. Yeah, 
few of the lads have gone to. So, yeah, you just wonder when that, that's going to catch on. And yeah. So some of those games that we used to have at Eddingley, when rain affected and they got down to five over the side, they were sometimes the, the most exciting, weren't they? You, yeah, it was uh, absolutely. They, they were good uh, fun. Yeah, no, they were incredible, yeah. Yeah, I know, it was ridiculous. You, what, I think someone got 70 or five overs on to something like that. I don't know what the record score is, but five overs, but it was incredible. Did you wish you, I, I know you said earlier that you were happy with the era you played in, but would you have fancied to go in the IPL or something and add a bit of a double around there? Um, yeah, of course I would. Yeah, I don't like, you know, it's not fair on comparing eras. It's, you know, I missed out on that era, but, um, you know, good luck to the lads now. They're making, you know, becoming very, very wealthy. So, yeah, it would have been nice to been able to have a go and see how I got on out there and yeah set me up for life if you <laughs> not bitter if you... <laughs> but some serious cash about now isn't it? Yeah. if you could live anywhere in the world where would you go uh, to me that's pretty simple um, there's a place north of Brisbane in Queensland called Noosa I'd love to live there it's very it's my pace of life it hasn't been built up or anything it's still pretty a pretty chilled out town on the beach and it's just beautiful so yeah one day it'd be nice if I could retire there but I doubt that'll ever happen but it's gorgeous if you could change one thing about yourself what would it be <laughs> you get that get that mullet back where do I start <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, probably I don't know uh, maybe when I was playing if I'd just have had a little bit a little bit more belief in in myself I was pretty harsh on myself. I had high standards, but yeah, I probably didn't believe in myself as much as I you know, could have done. And yeah, so that's probably one thing. And having okay. bigger legs, I've got I've got quite skinny legs, so bigger legs would be nice as well. <laughs> <laughs> Question number nineteen. We're nearly there. What will you be doing with yourself in ten years' time? Ten years' time. So some tough questions here, James. Ten years' time. Is, it, is that Very when you nice. go to that place in Australia and retire? Well, no, I don't think. I'm, maybe twenty years' time if I'm still alive. <laughs> But hopefully I'm you know, back involved in, in the professional game in, in some shape or form. So, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully still still working within you know, in cricket in some capacity. And the final question, Craig White, thank you very much for your time this week. Um, if you'd been picking these questions um, and you had the choice of anything you could ask yourself, what would you have asked yourself to get a great and exclusive answer? Give me a Craig White secret. <laughs> That's a very tough question. Very tough. While you're thinking about that, I'll, I'll add another question in. My hero when I was watching Yorkshire yep. was, was Darren Lehman. Yep. He was obviously uh, somebody that you know very, very well indeed. When, when did you first yep. meet him and did you get on straight away? Yeah, we probably did. I, I met Darren, I think I first met him in probably 1989. We were playing, I might have been 88, but we were playing a, um, I was playing for Victoria, he was playing for South Australia. I think it was under 17s or under 19, sort of national carnival. Met him there and then... I probably got to know him a lot better when I played for Victoria, when we won the Shield in, I think that was 91. I played a couple of games with Darren, and so I got to know him there, and then obviously we come you know, very close when, when he joined Yorkshire. So, yeah. And obviously met my sister, and you know, the rest is history. So, yeah, yeah stole, stole your sister away, didn't he? He did, yeah. That's probably what I'd change if I... Yeah, I wouldn't have introduced him to my sister that night. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. Because he, he was a guy. I remember, I remember sitting in the in the in the stand at Headingley. I think I was in the East Stand and so I was side on. And I can remember him because he doesn't look like a sportsman. And he, you know, when they say that you can tell somebody's classy if they have plenty of time to play the ball. Yeah. He was facing a quick bowler that day, and he just seemed to have all the time in the world and just put the ball wherever he wanted to put it. It was just it's just quality. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. Um, a fantastic player. Yeah. Anyway, is that giving you enough time um, to think about this question? No, you're I'm still, 
Yeah, I'm still <laughs> thinking about that. You still playing the guitar? Yeah, yeah, still playing a little bit. I thought I'd do on the pub scene around around Wakefield, but probably won't do that. <laughs> we're out there with Yorkshire, and you uh, there's that band playing in the Plantation Bar, the hotel that we were staying in, and there was I think Kevin Sharp, Tim Bresnan, and Adam Lyde, and a few others were all in there, and you got up and just sat down on the thing and started playing it. It was the first time I'd, I'd seen you play the guitar. Um, yeah. The band had taken a break for a few five five minutes, and you went up and played. I think you played an Oasis song and a song by Green Day, if I remember right. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it's my go-to time of your life. Yeah. Where was that? That was that was when we were in Abu Dhabi. Remember, we were on Abu a pre-season trip. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. There was a bar with a band band playing, and we'd been watching right, the band okay. and having a having a beer. Yeah. But, yeah. And you're struggling with this question, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm just trying to think of decent answers. I would I'd say something like, "Could you explain?" The look on Michael Atherton's face. Because I played in the game, he had you know, the dirt in his pocket. Okay. And we sat down after you know, the end of the day, and um, I don't know who came in. Someone came in. I think it might have been the press officer. And said to Athers that the match referee wants to see her. And the look, you know, the look on his face was just, I think he just knew there and then, oh, I've been, I've been done here, something like that. The look on Athos, what was the look on Athos' face like when he was asked to go and see the match referee? The blood drained from his cheeks, did it? Yeah, no, you can just sort of see his face here, so, oh, I've been caught. That's yeah, fantastic, yeah. Chucky. Thank, thank you very yeah. much for joining me this week, mate. It's been a pleasure talking to you again. Nah, cheers, James. Good to speak to you. And, uh, yeah, all the best. Enjoy your summer off. Enjoy your summer having your barbecues and doing whatever you want to do, well, James. <laughs> well, it's just a bit of downtime, mate. We'll see what comes up. Are you looking for a book to buy? Following on in the footsteps of Cricketing Fathers by James Butler, rated five stars on Amazon. Ever wondered what it was like to be the son of a famous father? Would you live in his shadow or find the skill and strength to create your own limelight? Following on explores the multi-generational nature of cricket and examines the father and son relationships in sport. How does the weight of expectation advantage or pressure to succeed influence a young cricketer's progress as they follow in the footsteps of a successful father do cricketing sons have a head start in their genes is there a gene for elite cricket performance following on is based on exclusive interviews with liam botham alan ian and mark butcher nick compton chris graham and fabian cowdery simon dennis brett dolivera alan and mark elam dale hadley Dean Headley, Simon Jones, Jake Lehman, David and Graham Lloyd, Martin Moxon, Arnie and Ryan Sidebottom, Alex Stewart and Tim and Chris Tremlett. The issues are developed and discussed with the words of the players themselves and also sports psychologists and experts in genomics. James Butler takes us on a journey of discovery, asking the questions and examining the responses while making comparisons with other sports and the worlds of entertainment and business. For any cricket lover, available on Amazon and in all good bookshops, published by Great Northern Books. Following on in the footsteps of Cricketing Fathers. It's that Badger style. Pleasure to welcome back then this week on the Cricket Budget Radio Show podcast, Cricket 365 editor. Dave Tickner, how are you, Dave? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Plenty of stuff to talk about with you back on the show. We've had quite a bit happening over the last uh, couple of weeks with the England team. Start with Alex Hales. Not totally known what he's been guilty of, but the speculation would be that he's been 
delving into the recreational drug side of things, failed two drugs tests, and consequently that became public and the ECB have shelved him from their World Cup plans. Do you think that's fair, a, a fair on Alex Hales? And is it right that just because, it seems to me that because it was made public and it became public knowledge, they've reacted slightly differently to how they were planning to react had it not come out into the press? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a bit of a mess, really. I mean, the first thing you've got to say is that, you know, Alex Hales has been a silly boy. You know, he was on thin ice already, involved with the Ben Stokes situation in Bristol. And, you know, he feels like he sort of was on his last chance. And everything that's sort of come out in the last week or so suggests that he didn't really have a lot of supporters left among the squad. There wasn't, didn't seem to be many fighting for him when it, when it came to it. I think that the order that things have happened is just far from ideal. I know the ECB are looking at their own protocols now because I think they were, to an extent, they were hamstrung. And it's sort of quite progressive and quite quite good in a way that, that there is this idea that, that a, a failed test for recreational rather than performance-enhancing drugs is seen primarily as, as a welfare, a player welfare issue rather than a, a disciplinary one. But the problem is is that you just end up with sort of subterfuge and, you know, the, the initial announcement that he'd asked to be left out by knots for personal reasons. You know, it's, cricket's a village. It was It was mad to think that you could just pretend that he wasn't serving a drugs ban that this wasn't what was happening it was always going to come out you know there's there's too many good journalists around as much as anything someone was going to get that story uh obviously it was uh, ali martin at the guardian who got it and from then on you know england were just always on the back foot with it from from then on just the the, the way their process required them to deal with it you know ashley giles coming out saying yeah if it hadn't gone public he'd probably still be in the squad you know that just feels ass about face really that you know if you're if the problem was the impact he would have on the team culture, then whether it becomes public or not shouldn't affect that. And that really what it was, um, it was more about the perception of the team and, and a distraction for the team. And I think there, I think a key indicator, a key thing for this England squad, who've obviously, you know, until the last few weeks, until literally the last few weeks, couldn't have had better preparation for this World Cup. And that's been a big, big part of it is that getting ready for this tournament. And I think that a lot of it goes back to the Ben Stokes situation around the last Ashes, where that was just a constant distraction around the squad. You know, was Ben Stokes coming back? You know, when he when he flew to New Zealand and it's like, oh, is he going to jet in? Are England going to pick him? Is he going to be added to the squad? The players were constantly answering questions about it. And there's been a real attempt with this one to draw a line under it. Whether it's right or wrong for Alex Hales is a different question, but there's been a massive decision made that the right thing for this team is that's it. There's been a, it's a concerted push. There's a real unity to the message. You know, the stories that they've leaked out over the last week have all been didn't apologise at the team get together, didn't didn't show the remorse and all this. You know, none of the players, none of the senior players backed him. You know, Morgan came out and said, you know, there's been this breakdown in trust. And brutal as it is, they've drawn a line under it. And the clear idea that this is there'll be no more discussion of Alex Hales around this squad as the tournament goes on. Whether that works or not is a different matter. You know, if Jason Roy's back plays up and England lose a couple of games and whoever comes into the side, whether it's Vince or Denley or whoever comes into that team to play struggles, then inevitably the conversation will get back to Hales. Personally for him, I think it's harsh. I think, you know, on the one hand, it feels like a group, as a group, they've reached 
the limit of their patience with him. On the other, um, you know, a, a bloke who, from the outside looking in, clearly seems to be struggling and has just had the thing he's devoted his last two years to taken away from him. You know, he, he's he's going to need support and help. You know, he's going to find out who his friends are over the over the next few weeks. But it, yeah, it's it is a mess, and it's yeah, it's not the first time that England have stumbled into something ahead of a World Cup, is it? <laughs> you, you could argue that Alex Hales, being a silly boy, got only got himself to blame. But you know, if, if you were to be trying to take the more liberal approach to it, you could say that you know the Bristol night out, maybe that was a symptom of somebody that was maybe coming off the rails. He needed help at that stage. All the stress of the court case and everything that followed that was obviously going to be hard for anybody to take. He, I think he stood up with his girlfriend because he was a silly boy in Barbados. Um, yeah, there was, then, that, that was in the tabloids, wasn't it? Again, you know, I yeah. don't, without wanting to get too far into it, not knowing the details, again, they're, uh, from the outside looking in, there have been warning signs, haven't there, that things were going wrong for him on a on a personal level, if, if not a professional one. And so he, he gave up Red Bull cricket. He's focused entirely on the World Cup. You can't, you know, again, it's a bit of amateur psychology, and I, I keep stressing from the outside looking in. Even the, the pressure of this World Cup, which has become this, become this all-consuming, human focus for England players especially the white ball only one you know who's to say that that isn't in itself a factor in you know that he's sought some sort of relief and escape from it the, the pressure on a host country to to perform and to take the opportunity that's there because everybody you know it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to play a world cup in your on your own soil but that brings with it some strain doesn't it it certainly does and it just it, you do feel a little bit like he's been you know sort of thrown under the bus to an extent i, I do have some sympathy for him while acknowledging that you know he's, he's clearly not an, an innocent victim of uh of the ecb capriciousness or something but yeah it does feel it does feel like yeah it's, it's it leaves a bad taste in the mouth and i think it, to an extent that the the ECB's own rules and regulations didn't give them any other way to play it out. But yeah, there's there's no pretending it's been handled as well as it could have been. In my opinion, they've come to the right end result, but by a slightly circuitous route in a yeah, way. Yeah, that may well be the, the the fairest assessment of it, I think. So you mentioned it was Ali Martin that, that broke the story. It was, it was Ali as well that sat down with Alex Hales at the start of the season and did a very long and frank interview with Alex Hales who admitted that he'd, he'd made bad decisions in the past and he was going to, for want of a better phrase, unfortunate phrase, keep his nose clean and, uh, and try and get, get his head down and, and concentrate on the World Cup. It didn't take too long for that to unravel, did it? Yeah, and uh, again, you'd have trying to you know work work through the date it's possible probably even that even by the time of that interview he'd already committed the offense if you like that ultimately would would get him banned so it, yeah it's a strange one and it's uh, yeah not not ideal that's certainly think you know for the for the team moving forward you know he what you know he wasn't in the first you know just even as the the on on field stuff you know for the the team's chances he wasn't in the first eleven but he was incredibly strong um, backup for you know four or five different players you know he could have come in for either opener he could have come in for Root come in for Morgan come in even for Butler with Bairstow keeping there were a lot of ways that Hales would have got into that side should should an injury or loss of form happened during the World Cup he was was a key part of the squad and has been a key part 
of the squad over the last four years with the with the changes they've made. So it will be a loss. Ashley Giles is obviously coming in and taking over for Andrew Strauss as a director of English cricket. He, he's got a lot on his plate very early in that role. It's a busy enough summer for him as it is Shiloh coming into that job. But he's right that he, you know England do need to stamp out anything like this because it, as you hinted at before it takes their eye off the ball doesn't it you know all of this stuff going off behind the scenes with tabloid papers getting interested can't do that squad any good at all there's been a, no. another thing that's come out as well with the Joe Clark Tom Cole Cadmore situation whilst they're at Worcestershire the you know obviously very unseemly rape trial that uh, has been going on and their whatsapp group that they were sending messages kind of lads 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 girls 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 let's let's rack up as many as we can kind of attitude that has, seems to have fallen foul of the ECB as well and they're on a for one of a better phrase blacklist in terms of England selection that to me seems a little bit strong because I mean I'm not going to talk to my, for myself in this one uh, tickers at the minute but the conversations I've had in the past if they were all written down on a WhatsApp message and then read out in court I'd probably look a little bit dodgy at times uh, in years gone by it should, it should be straight that you know it was even specifically said in court that Joe Clark had done nothing wrong in the incident that, that you know that led to Alex Hepburn's conviction but I think there's a, there's a concern rightly or wrongly there's there's an idea and a feeling growing that England have a, a discipline problem or you know there's there's something there there's just too many things that have come out and been said and I think that there's a, a concerted effort to stamp on that and that they're going to lean towards being too harsh and too lenient the curfew seems to be here to stay and yeah Clark and Cole, you know Clark's a particularly interesting one because with how he'd started the season I think he would have I think he would be in this squad now when you look at who they've called up I think he would have got a call up before certainly before David Milan I would have thought Clark would have been ahead of him in the pecking order based on current form so it, it's not it's not an irrelevant decision you know they may be uncapped players but they're not players who were nowhere near the the squad but I don't think it's going to be a long term thing for them it's you know they're like you say sort of blacklisted while an investigation happens and I I think that they will both be available for selection again before too long but I can understand the desire to go too hard rather than too too soft at the moment I think that that, you know Giles Giles has made sort of quite a play of this you know he's he's made some big calls already you know moving far brace on as soon as he said he was leaving it was like, right, we'll go now. Obviously with Hales as well and with this one. It's rightly or wrongly, you know, Ashley Giles is, is coming in with a firm hand and he's you know, he's been not going to be afraid of making these big calls. I, I think that Joe Clark in particular, as you mentioned, but also Tom Cole Cadmore, who I've seen quite a lot of around Yorkshire. They're two very, very fine players. Joe Clark, for me, is probably the, the best of his age group. His timing of the ball, the way he strikes the ball, is second to none from what I've seen on the county circuit. And he's, he, he is somebody that I would have been tempted to take on an England tour last winter, even the winter before, because I think he's that good. Uh, it, it does take him a big step back, doesn't it, in his career, considering, as you said, that it was said in court, he's done nothing wrong apart from, you know, morally maybe being a bit of a foolish boy. Yeah, I mean, I think he clearly has, you know, it's, you know, I don't want to defend what he's done as, you know, oh, you know, lads, 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 it's, it is unsavoury, it, it's it's not nice, but, you know, he's got, it's, it's not the end for him by any stretch, he's got a chance now to think about it, reevaluate a few things. I don't think long term it's going to significantly impact his England career. Yeah, it's just another another situation where a player's silliness has created headlines that England just don't want or need at this stage, isn't it? 
The listeners to the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast have gone up by 580% in the last 12 months. Thank you so much for all of your support for the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast. And if you want to advertise on the show, well, of course you can. You're more than welcome to play your part as the podcast goes from strength to strength for getting in front of a lot of people out there. It's a real opportunity for you to put your business in front of the cricket world. Get in touch with us, cricketbadger at hotmail.com. Become part of the Cricket Badger family. Are England in disarray um, ahead of this World Cup or are they still on the rails? D- disarray is probably too strong. You know, they've had a couple of injury setbacks and you can't really do a lot about that. They've had, as we've discussed, a couple of things that could have gone better and that they could have done without. But I think overall, you know, this this series makes Pakistan will be a good one. You know, Pakistan are always, always a threat at a big tournament. So there'll be a, a lot to be learnt from these next five games if it ever stops raining. I, I, you know, they're still on the right lines, aren't they? The, the big boys are all coming back now. Um, we're obviously going to get an extended look at Jofra and you know fundamentally it's it's still an incredibly good team what has happened with the, the handling of the Hales thing is that as we're told and we you know have no reason to think others there's certainly it's certainly not split the camp they all still seem to be united it still seems to be a united group it seems to be very much a communal decision that, that Hales would go Morgan is still you know as as respected within the group as, as any England captain probably ever has been so that I think you know there's still way more positives than negatives it's, there's no denying that the build up over the last few weeks has gone slightly awry but I'd, I'd still have them as the team to beat in this World Cup you, you could say that the the timing of it has actually been good because if it's going to come out it's better that it comes out a few weeks before the World Cup rather than after the first couple of games and it's a appears on the back of the sun or something yeah I mean 100% that and that's why they've clearly made made a concerted effort with Hales that they want to draw that line under it they've done that as as far as they can now and as, as I suggested earlier the the way to ensure that the line stays drawn under it is to win games while England are winning games you know Hales's absence won't be talked about it will be old news you know the new cycle will have moved on if they start losing a couple of games and the batsmen are struggling, that's when it will change. But there really is no reason for them to struggle in this World Cup. You know, winning it's going to be difficult. You know, it's two one-off games at the end, but it'd be amazing if they didn't reach the semi-finals. And you know, they're not going to fear anyone once they get to the knockout stage either. On the good side of things, a few of the England lads have done quite well in the IPL. Um, ben Stokes had a fairly Average tournament, but Moen Ali was superb through the IPL for a struggling Bangalore side. They had that tough match the other day against Ireland, um, which they came through winning it. Probably good to be reminded that they're not invincible as well at that stage as well, that Ireland did give them a run for their money and they came through it and maybe reason to concentrate the mind a bit. Yeah, I mean, an interesting game that Ireland won. Um, some of the other seamers, the ones who... If we assume Jofra Archer is going to be in the final squad, then you know obviously someone's someone's place is under threat, and they all performed well. You know Tom Curran had a very good game, and then the batting—it's sort of tough to know what to how much to read into the into the batting because it was it was so vastly different to the the top six that you'll see I assume today and, and moving forward in this Pakistan series and then into the World Cup. You know it was it was really only Root and Morgan who would be uh, who would be in that first choice uh, top six who we saw, but. They've still got that incredible 
depth and yeah, you know, someone like Ben Folks, he just you know, if he just tell him every game's his debut, seems to thrive on him. Man of the match in both his debuts. Good effort, isn't it? And deservedly so. But yeah, there is there is what what we saw in that game and, and sort of what we've known is that, that England don't just have a incredibly strong first eleven in, in ODI cricket at the moment. They've got depth like I mean probably like they've never had before to be honest. That that there are quality players who they can call on and, and bring in and who will do the job. You mentioned Joffre Archer. He seems to be now nailed on to be in that final 15 in the World Cup. But one man I, I've seen a lot of over the last few weeks is Sam Curran in the, in the IPL playing T20 cricket. But he's been superb, bowling and batting, scoring runs very quickly. He ended up getting up to the sixth spot in the Kings XI Punjab side. And he's not even mentioned in dispatches in terms of the, the 50 over stuff for England. So that, that illustrates just how strong England are, really. Yeah, and it, it, it sort of felt like by the end of that IPL, he came. He was getting closer to to what his long term role will be. I still see him in, in all forms. Actually, I still see him as a as a batsman who bowls rather than a a, a bowler who bats. I think that is is going to be his long term future. He just looks like someone who can bat in the top six to me. He looks like he's got the technique for it. He's got the the mentality for it. I mean, we know he can bat with a tail, which is always a useful thing for a number six batsman anyway, because it's a situation you're going to find yourself in from there. Not just at, at number eight I do think it's his, his batting excites me more than his bowling I have to say other way around with, with Tom but I think we're going to see plenty of both of them over the years in, in England colours Didn't take long for Surrey to stuff that out are they and they, they've obviously seen a lot more of him than, than most but number six in their county championship batting order regularly through their, their championship winning season shows that Alex Stewart's got trust in that you know he's thinking along the same lines as you really Yeah I, I think so and you know he knows a thing or two about it I just think that you know just, just watching him is his bowling is, I think, is always going to be useful. I think it's always going to be there as as a handy option. But I don't, I don't see his bowling being sort of frontline international bowling more as someone who's massively useful to have to bowl sort of you know 10 or 12 overs a day as a as a fifth bowling option. I think that's that's where his future lies. But yeah, in, incredibly exciting cricketer. And just again, the IPL as when he came into the England side, it just doesn't phase him. There's, it's so much of it's not just about about his ability, which is clearly massive, but just completely unfussed about every sort of new experience the game throws at him. He just seems to be able to take it in his stride. That's a, a wonderful gift to have. But both of the currents, Tom and Sam, seem to have that mentality that how yeah, the bigger the mountain is to climb, the, the faster they'll try and run up it. They're, they're not frightened of any challenges, and they grit the teeth and, and they fight, don't they? The real fighters, those two, and that can only be good for the future of England. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. They both both got that sort of big game, uh, big game mentality. They they do seem to thrive on the the biggest occasion, the biggest challenge. And um, yeah, I mean, like you say, it, it can only bode well for England. Those two. The, the man that has that number six shirt and the all rounder role in England side at the moment is Ben Stokes. As I said a few minutes ago, his, his IPL performance and you could argue his performances since Bristol have been subpar for the standard yeah, that he's set. he doesn't seem to have the same sort of oomph as a cricketer he doesn't seem to be quite the same X-factor game-changing cricketer that he uh, that he was um, and he was, he was sort of an unusual England player who, who had a disappointing IPL you know Butler obviously had a, an, another good IPL scored plenty of runs Bairstow had a sensational one you know that opening partnership with David Warner at, at Hyderabad was one of the stories of the tournament Moeen yeah, Ali yeah, like you said very good tournament. So, you know, overall, the IPL's been a good news story for this England 
team ahead of the World Cup. But but yeah, Stokes would be the one who's a who's a bit of a worry. It's, it's a major opportunity, isn't it, for the likes of Stokes and you know, Joe Root, Owen Morgan, who is in superb form at the moment. Owen Morgan, there's no, nothing to worry about him. That, as you mentioned, the, the team's behind him, but always good for a captain to come into a tournament with runs behind him as well and he, he's been scoring plenty generally speaking the health, the health of that England side barring what we've spoken about there have been some blips and there have been things that, but they've all been dealt with they're all behind them now and they can really just concentrate on what's ahead I think so I think in a strange way you know a little bit of adversity might not be a bad thing I think that there does seem to be a sense however manufactured it is that, it, that if anything they they're a closer knit group now, and you know if, if people start thinking, oh, England got a few problems, maybe they're not the favourites anymore. That might, in a strange way, help them. There's not this crushing pressure of being the favourites and being expected to win. But yeah, I, I just think overall, you know, if they win this series against Pakistan, which they should do, I mean, Pakistan are the sort of team who you wouldn't want to play in a semi-final, as England found out in the Champions Trophy, but. Over five matches, you would you would expect England to to prevail. I think they can go into the World Cup full of confidence. They they score more runs than anyone else. They've got a better bowling attack now with with Archer in it than they've had recently. They got the two spinners. They've really got most things covered off in that team, and yeah, it's it's a great opportunity for them this summer. There's sort of really there's no there's nothing that should stop England doing well at this World Cup other than the demons that they have from the. England England, if not these players, but England as a country and as a, as a cricketing nation has with the World Cup. You know, I think that's a massive part of the reason why these sort of bumps in the road that they've encountered over the last few weeks is there's a sort of, oh, here we go, here we go, it's the World Cup and we're shambling around and things are going wrong because it's what happens every time there's a World Cup. But I, I don't think it, it is quite the same this time around. If England are successful this summer, it's going to be an amazing country to be living in, really, isn't it? And as a cricket fan, if England do well in the World Cup, then the Ashes straight off the back of it. One man who, very, very sadly, because of the death of his wife, had to withdraw from his England role as director of cricket, Ashley Giles, has obviously, as we've said, taken over. But Andrew Strauss, if England do well, will take a lot of credit for what, what's been going on because he was the man that set the plan. Absolutely. You know, the prioritisation of the, of the white ball stuff, the targeting of the World Cup, and even, you know, it, you look back now and it seems like a really obvious, straightforward decision, but even the decision to retain Morgan as captain after the 2015 World Cup was not as straightforward and obvious as, as hindsight would make it appear. You know, he was thrown a hospital pass and took, took that captaincy late in the day before that World Cup. But there are other less measured England regimes of the past where Morgan would have been gone after that World Cup. That would have been the end of him as captain and probably the end of him as an England player. And you look back now and think, what a terrible decision that would have been. And it wasn't, it wasn't as easy as it now looks to say, no, Morgan's the man for the, for the white ball stuff. And that was really, that came from Strauss. He sort of led the way on that one. It's going to be a long tournament, but a very enjoyable tournament for, for cricket fans. What are Cricket 365? What, you, what are your plans for it? Yeah, oh, we'll, uh, we'll be all over it. We'll be previewing it. Loads of previews over the next few weeks, and we'll be conkers deep in it throughout, and we'll be absolutely exhausted and sick of it by the end. And then uh, <laughs> we'll have, have a couple of days, and then we'll start on the ashes. Yeah, it's not a bad summer to be uh, alive as a cricket It's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. As you say, hopefully the crowds will disappear. Yeah, it might just be, it might just start being nice again the weather that'd be right <laughs> uh, the one thing we don't want to say I'm sure you're in agreement with me is the, the cowardice of a, of a man-cad decision being involved in, uh, in the we're not in agreement there I, I want this to be the summer of man-cad <laughs> uh, the summer of man-cad get batsmen uh, stay where they're meant to stay stop wandering
wandering <laughs> off. Well, whether they're in their crease or not, I hope you enjoyed the World Cup. Stay tuned to Cricket 365 for all the adventures of uh, Dave Tickner and his gang, uh, me included. And uh, we'll uh, speak again soon on the, on the Cricket Badger Radio Show podcast, Dave. Yes, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Cheers. It's that Badger style. Thanks to Dave Ticknett for his time this week and also to Craig White. Any pubs in the Wakefield area want a former England all-rounder gigging at their establishment? He doesn't know it yet. I've appointed myself his agent for bookings. Get in touch. Please subscribe, like, share, comment on the podcast on whichever platform you listen. Your ears and feedback are always hugely appreciated. And the budget returns next week for another edition. We were so much cricket happening and about to happen. I probably hardly need to say this week. Until next week, enjoy your cricket badges. It's that badger style. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.